Welcome to First Amendment Radio, and uh, I guess we're on Liberty Radio Live. Welcome to that, and uh, Keys to the Kingdom, where we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God and how it should be becoming a real thing in your life and how that can come about. Uh, the topics of discussion have uh, been... Uh, laid out uh, on Blog Talk Radio uh, for the first half hour this morning, which is this idea of congregants and votaries. And what is a votary? And what is it to vote? Uh, we hear people talking on the news just before the show about getting uh close to election and they're going to get a republican majority in the house for the government of the united states and somehow or other this is going to maybe get a bill passed uh, and i didn't quite catch the part of the bill i came in a little bit later but it sounded like it has to do with death tax and that sort of thing you know one of the crimes that uh christ pointed out and and uh scolded men for was robbing widows and orphans and that's one of the great crimes of the people of the United States is that they've allowed an inheritance tax to creep in of course they want to just rob the rich and of course the rich just simply uh, created all kinds of tax shelters so that they're not robbed at least the smart rich did uh, to protect themselves from this and, and many of the other more devious rich got all kinds of bills lobbied in I was talking to somebody who is a high-up government revenue officer uh, about a month or so ago uh, in a major state. I don't name states or anything like that, but uh, they were saying how they had spent five years and five full-time agents investigating a corporation that was clearly cheating on their taxes to that state. And, of course, if they were cheating on the taxes to the state, they were also cheating on the taxes to the federal government. And they were doing this uh, so ca uh, cavalierly that uh, it was extremely obvious. And we're talking millions and millions and millions of dollars in taxes that were not getting paid by this corporation. And they had them dead to rights. And, of course, the IRS would be very much uh, interested in the case once they had been convicted of this, I'm sure the IRS would have jumped on the opportunity to convict that corporation also. Because somebody's walking away with all this money. And there's plenty of loopholes, but they're not even using loopholes. They're just defrauding the government and therefore defrauding all the American people while they are getting rich and filthy rich off of their uh, use of the services of the government because many of these corporations depend heavily on government services in order to make their exorbitant profits. And so, anyway, the writer justification of it, they were cheating. They were lying. They were being dishonest in the way in which they were reporting their taxes. And they were just about to bring them to court, and the corporation got wind of the fact that they were going to be brought into court, and suddenly the agents got a call from the governor to lay off that company. 
and not to pursue them anymore. And they paid a couple hundred thousand dollars, I think it was like a hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars, for some issues that had been brought up, but they got away with millions and millions of dollars. And that's what government, that's the way it works. We know that's the way it works. This is what happened in the days of Samuel, that he had sons who were becoming judges of the nation and uh, was getting support from many of the wealthy of the nation and were taking bribes. When people would bring people to court because they had done bad or wicked things, they would get exonerated by judges who would, if you understood how the appeal system worked in the country of Israel, in this nation, which is the people of Israel, it was uh, it was different than the government you're in today because they actually lived on land untaxed. It's different than the Israel you see over there in the Middle East. They're not doing what Moses said. They have a heavy progressive income tax, which is what the bondage of Egypt was all about. It wasn't a progressive income tax. It was just 20%. But that was still the bondage of Egypt. It got a little progressive because of uh, crafts of state and became... Uh, you know, they had a way of uh, taxing you. Uh, if you uh, if you had children, your tax liability went up even though the child is not working yet. You had to pay 20% for yourself and 20% for your child and 20% for your next child. And, you know, it became a burden. The more children you had, the more tax liability you had, but they weren't working yet. So there was a lot of abortion going on. In those days, which is what they mean by casting out their brephos, their fetuses, not just casting out their children. They were actually committing abortion. A lot of people don't realize there's been ability to have abortions. Uh, you know, I mean, they talk about it in the Hippocratic Oath, which is what, 600 BC? No pessary. No abortive substance. This has always been a problem because evil doesn't want you to live. It wants to decrease the population of the world down to a handful of people and those people be all subservient to them that's what they want to do and that's the devil doing that that's the evil wanting dominion over this planet and wants all those others that were holding dominion no longer to have it and that's what this is all about it's fighting for the planet so anyway what they're doing is they're seducing you into a form of government that is not the government of God, which is what Christ came to preach. Christ came to preach a government based on faith, hope, and charity. While power has been centralized into governors and presidents and senates to make laws for you, the government of God is absolutely the reverse, that the power is distributed among each and every one of you. Every one of you is a minister of government. You don't get to decide what your neighbor does because it's not a democracy. It's a pure republic. Your leaders are purely titular. They have no power whatsoever. They are naked before the Lord. And they are naked before you, too. But you can give them power, but never power over you. Because if you give them collectively power over you in order to exercise power over your neighbor, your neighbor does the same through a covenant, 
a contract, a constitution, they now are an office of power. They're not titular. They have the right to decide for you. Liberty is the right to decide. If they have the right to decide, they have your liberty. And you are no longer, you no longer have your liberty. You are not free. So the government of God, you keep your liberty that God gave you. God gave everybody a certain amount of right to choose. Everybody has a right to choose. They're endowed by their creator with a right to choose. Now, how do you choose? Study out the facts. Weigh them yourself. Decide good and evil yourself. Or are you guided by the Holy Spirit? You know, someone said on one of the groups today that Gregory doesn't talk about being born again enough. Well, you know, it's only mentioned once in the Gospels. <laughs> How often do you want me to mention something that's only brought up once in the Gospel? Loving your neighbor as yourself, we see that all over the place. Not being like the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. That's, that's in three of the Gospels very clearly. Being born again is only in John. And really, they're not talking about anything mysterious. They're talking about being born of the Spirit. What is being born of the Spirit? It's you not deciding for yourself what is good and evil, but you following the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Now, everybody thinks they're divinely inspired, probably, at one time or another. Uh, I mean, I can find you all kinds of guys who say that they've seen a vision They've been to the mountaintop. They've realized this because God has spoken to them. And some of them, it may be true. But most of them, it's probably not, because none of them hardly agree, which is why you got 40,000 denominations. So how do you know when somebody is following the Holy Spirit? Why do you need to know? And what, how, do you study and come up to the conclusion, oh, he's not following the Holy Spirit because I've studied this out and I have decided that he is evil. <laughs> You're doing the same thing again. The Holy Spirit will show you. But if you want a little bit of guidance to go by, there's the Bible. Are they doing the will of God? Well, problem is when you read the Bible you're not going to figure out what it says people say why can't we just read the Bible it's very clear well if it's so clear why do you have 40,000 denominations I mean the Torah was clear too but the Pharisees didn't get it Peter eventually got it blessed are you Peter because you know Simon Barjona because you know this not because flesh and blood has revealed it to you not because you read it and studied it it's because my Father in heaven has revealed it unto you. That is the power that God will build his church. Individual divine revelation in spirit and in truth. In spirit because evil will divinely or subdivinely <laughs> reveal the truth to you according to the evil spirit. And you will be guided by a spirit but it's not the Holy Spirit 
And it, that depends a great deal on where your heart is at. You know, a sucker is born every minute. Isn't that the, the saying, something along those lines? That sucker born every minute. The way you you con somebody is you appeal to the larceny that's already in him. If he is already desiring to covet his neighbor's goods, it's easy to sell him a social welfare scheme that will compel the neighbor to take away from the other neighbor. How does a tyrant get the power? He offers tyrannical power to thousands, millions of other little tyrants. And they get government jobs. <laughs> and they force their neighbor to bow down. They love to boss. They love to bully. I mean, that's what it should say in the newspaper for a lot of these government jobs or working for the STA or whatever. Bully you wanted. <laughs> uh, bullies need apply. But in the kingdom of God, bullies need not apply. You need to turn around and start looking at government a different way. Because the government of God does not exercise authority one over the other. All democracies are based on the idea that it's good to exercise authority one over the other. You all get together and you vote... And 51% of the people force the other 49 to go along with them. And everybody is there praying that the party that does what they want gets in and forces everybody to comply to their will. You know, what's wrong with gambling? Does anybody know that? What's wrong with gambling? Think about that. It's, my mother used to think that the problem with gambling is that you were taking a risk. You were risking your money, and that was the sin of gambling. And I explained to her that's not the sin. Uh, you, and my mom knew that that didn't make any sense because farmers take a risk every time they plant a seed in the ground. So she said, well, that, there's nothing wrong with gambling. And I said, gambling isn't about the risk that you might lose. Gambling is about the risk that you might win. Because when you put your nickel down and your buddy puts his nickel down and your neighbor puts his nickel down and the stranger puts his nickel down and you sit there and you pray in your heart that they lose their nickel because you want to win. That sets up a pattern of relationships between you and your neighbor that is anti-Christ. You desire... Now, it's not stealing, but it is coveting. Because that's still... You know, he's let go of it, but you want it. And see, that's that's not the ways of God. It's contrary to the ways of God. 
It's just a little fudge over the line, but it's a big line. You need to not gamble with your rights. And every time you vote, you're gambling with your rights. Now, in the show before this, I was talking about this idea of votary, and we're going to have lots of calls, hopefully, after the uh, first hour. Uh, maybe even after the break, we'll open up the lines to uh, calls. Uh and, of course, there is a chat room with uh, Liberty Radio. So if you get in the chat room, somebody will monitor that chat room and and uh, share information uh, with your, uh, us as to what your questions might be. So when you, if you have a question, put a bunch of question marks by it so it stands out, and they'll repeat that question here on the air, and we'll, we'll try to answer your question. But we, uh, we're going to talk about votaries and congregants. And, and let's talk about congregants first because we talked about votaries, uh, originally. A congregant is someone who congregates. He's not a corporate member of anything. He just gathers. And a free congregation is simply a free assembly. Uh, a congregant is a communicant. He, in order to assemble, they, everybody gets to speak their mind and give their opinion. Uh, they are this, uh, gatherer. And they give you synonyms in one dictionary. And it's adore, churchgoer, communicant, congregant, devotee, devout person, pious person. Uh, piety has to do with uh, honoring, and uh, it's a it's a kind of doing word. It's not just looking holier than thou. Uh, supplicant, but it also adds one more synonym at the end, and it's a votary. A congregant is a votary. But there are different kinds of votaries. Because in a free congregation, a votary doesn't have any power over anybody else in the congregation. But he has something he has to do. He has some way to participate. Now, what is a votary? Votary, a a votariant, a person who is bound by solemn religious vows as a monk or nun. That's one definition. But there are other definitions, and adhering to a religious religion or a cult, a worshiper of a particular deity and sacred personage, a person who is devoted or addicted to some subject or pursuit, a votary of jazz, as an example. Well, a votary of Christ is following the ways of Christ. He is committed to doing the will of God. He is seeking the kingdom. He is striving to do the righteousness of God in relationship to everybody else. So he's not going to be like Cain. He's not going to try to bludgeon his neighbor or force his neighbor to contribute to his welfare because he knows that would be a snare anyway, according to David and according to Paul. So he's going to come together and he's going to communicate. And he's going to supplicate. He's going to 
love one another and help one another. How does he do that? Well, you know, if you have to pick up a log, each of you can go over and tug on it one at a time. Big, huge, long, iron wood log. Each of you can go and try to pick it up. It won't come off the ground that way. You have to go and pick it up together. You have to work together to pick up that log. You can all exert the same amount of force, but if you don't exert the same amount of force together, the log's not coming off the ground. You have to work together. And one way to do that is to pick one individual, because you can't all get a hold of it. Say say it was just a gigantic steel ball. <laughs> Uh, and you wanted to lift it up, and you can't. There's no grip for everybody to get up to it. You all get together and give one guy the money to buy a backhoe, and he can hook onto it and lift it up, lift up that big, huge ball by himself. He couldn't have bought the backhoe by himself, but if everybody pitched in, he could buy that backhoe and stick the forks underneath it and lift it up. But only one person can drive that backhoe. Everybody can't be driving it because it's only got a seat for one. But he wouldn't have that backhoe unless everybody worked together to get it. You see, that's that's the way the kingdom works, is that you pick a minister and you give him the power to take care of the needy. And that power comes in the way of provisions and victuals and supplies because you're a supplicant you're going to supply him with what he needs to get the job done and you've got to pick a good minister who's going to do it and then you give him the power to do it you don't give him the power to come back and take more you keep all the power and rights that God has given you you simply cast your bread upon the waters you put your offering on the altar of stone living stones and they do the job of government. But they are naked in authority. They have no authority. They have no underwear. According to the Levites, you had to make them the underwear because they were naked. They couldn't go up by steps. In other words, one man over the other, like a pyramid, because you would see their nakedness. They would start, you know, doing what Saul did, exercising authority one over the other. So they're talking about a way in which a government works and so that you're a votary of Christ, you're not going to covet your neighbor's goods, you're not going to exercise authority one over the other. But the votary of the world, you can do that. You can go and vote in the world and force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. I started talking about this uh, news item where we see inheritance tax, which is robbing widows and orphans. That's what it comes down to. The ones who really pay most of this inheritance tax. I've seen widows who lost their husband and had to had to pay an inheritance tax. Now we lost somebody last night, a great soul, John Stewart of Jesus, in Hutchinson, Kansas, passed away last night. Long battle with illness. And uh, those of you who know him, he passed away and uh, survived by Mary, who still lives there in Hutchinson. And if we were really good congregants, 
in Christ, we would be there for her and help her out if she has a need. But the world would tax her and inherit her. We'll be back, the keys to the kingdom, after these words. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, LibertyRadioLive.com. The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host, cause, and anywhere else the Spirit may lead you. Do all to the glory of our God and Creator, for His holy nation, the only kingdom that will last forever. Thank you for listening. Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them, if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me.
welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. We're talking about votaries and congregants and the difference between the two. And <clears throat> and this difference is the difference between God's government and the governments of the world, the governments that lead to having Caesars and Saul's, which was a rejection of God, the voice of the people when they elected Saul. It was a rejection of God. We talked earlier about why they did that. Well, there was corruption in the courts. And the judges, what are the judges? Well, every man was a judge in the kingdom of God uh, under Moses. Because if there was an issue of law, the elders of every congregation would gather together and decide what was the law. They wouldn't make up new laws. They would decide what the law was. And Moses gave them a lot of help in that, and they said things like, well, if you have a bull and you know he pushes, in other words, you know, attacks people and pushes on them, that uh, you, and you don't do anything about it, you don't uh, either kill the bull or restrain the bull, uh, and a bull kills somebody, you could be held criminally negligent for homicide. If you built a balcony and you didn't put a rail around it and somebody fell off, you could be held responsible because that was criminal negligence. It was clear that uh, you've got to have a rail around the balcony. And if you dug a pit, created a danger, created something that might cause injury to somebody and did not take reasonable precautions to prevent that injury, you could be held responsible for it. He's explaining to you how that law works. He's not trying to create a formula for justice. He is just explaining what justice looks like. You have to determine every individual case accordingly. You know, a man's got his son bleeding to death in the back seat of his car, and he's rushing to the hospital, and he exceeds the speed limit, and he somebody steps out and gets hit. Is that negligent homicide? If he drove slowly along and his son bled to death, is that negligent homicide? Now you've got a quandary here. What What are we going to do? What is right here? What is just? And so you bring it to the other elders of your congregation and they try to determine what is just, what is right. That is seeking righteousness. And that is the job of every man of every congregation. And occasionally injustice takes place. So what do you do? The individual, before he is executed <laughs> for his crime or before punishment is executed, and I shouldn't even say punishment, recompense, because we're not to punish, we're not to be vengeful. The reason you you say, well, you, you know, you owe damages. That's not punishment, that's recompense. And that needs to be the motivation of our courts. Not punishment. God's job is punishment. Our job is recompense and protecting the needy and protecting the innocent. Those who are have a loss based on other people's error or intent. And we have to be just about it. But if injustice does take place, he can appeal to the cities of refuge or just the appeals courts. That's all the cities of refuge are. They are the appeals court. And why city? Because it's the Levites. It's the ministers. 
They're the only ones who are corporate other than uh, husband and wife. There's no other corporate nature to the kingdom other than the ministers of that kingdom. They are the firstborn of that kingdom. And Peter and uh, and the apostles were the firstborn of the kingdom of God that Christ took away from the Pharisees and gave to his little flock. I appoint unto you a kingdom. And they are a corporate body. They own all things in common. You, you're supposed to own your house. You're supposed to be the father of your family and the mothers of your family. And your family belongs to you and you alone because that is the institution of God. But because you have a hard time getting along together as a government of God, God has allowed us to incorporate an altar of stone living stones, men who come together for the purposes of providing you with a government that does not exercise authority over you, but will exercise authority over your contribution. Not how much you will give, but whatever you give. Whatever you lay on that altar, you completely burn up to you, and it is their job. And you lay it on one stone at a time. And those stones own all things in common. Not you. You own your own property. And you own the beneficial interest of your property. You don't do that now, but that's because you've been slothful in the ways of God. And you have been coveting your neighbor's goods through the institution that men create for themselves. And you've gone whoring after the gods of the world and made covenants with them and bound yourselves with those agreements with unbelievers who do not believe in faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. So now you have to turn around and go the other way. So how do you do that? You congregate. You look out amongst yourselves and you find men you trust. And in order to find out if you trust them, you give them something to work with. And if they do a good job, you give them more. And if they don't, you give them less. And if they do a good job with that, you give them more. One talent, two talent, three talents. If they don't do anything with it, don't give them anything. Had people come on as contact ministers on the network, didn't do anything for six months, didn't communicate with any other contact minister, didn't post anything, didn't share anything for six months. Yet they said they volunteered for this job, but they weren't going to do anything. Well, I took them down. I would be a mess not to. You have to actually be doing what you say you're going to do. And then I'll put you up. And if you don't, I'll take it down. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Uh, you, I haven't decreased your power to choose one bit. To be on the network is a privilege. Granted to you by those who work there. It's not all things are owned in common by the ministers of God. They aren't owned in common by the congregation. That, that we could go into that in great detail. If you have questions about that, be free to ask. Because I give you an example of statutes that have come out in the last couple of years trying to do just that, where a congregation gives an offering that is supposed to be a burnt offering, and then the government wants them to form a board to control that offering. Now I know many Protestant churches do that. But that isn't what Christ was doing. But he also wasn't creating offices of power, which you see in many other churches. 
why the minister has all the power. But there's not too many churches that force you to contribute, but it's gotten very lucrative to be a church today because they don't have to take care of the widows and orphans and needy of society. A major, major, powerful church has encouraged, has uh, insisted, has uh, facilitated the governments of the world to create social welfare systems that are cared for by taxation. And that is the Corbin of the Pharisees, where you had to pay in, or you could be arrested and fined and beat up. And Christ said, no, you don't do that. That's the wicked servant. And that's where most people go to church, is in the wicked servant's house, who beats up your neighbor if he doesn't contribute enough to your neighbor, because they're not in pure religion, they're into false religion. And the churches are just there to make you feel good. We had recently a video that appeared in a local church here, it was shared by the pastor who actually came out and said, that people should be taking less government benefits. That caused quite a ripple through the community. And uh, he said that, but he also brought in a video called The Agenda. And I encourage anybody who can get a copy of that to, to watch that. It's very interesting, very educational. And their solution is not to get out the vote. It really doesn't make any difference. They state this, right? And it doesn't make any difference who you vote for. The direction that you're being taken as a society is is predetermined. Their solution was things like homeschooling. And that goes into home health, home industry. It, what you're talking about is a congregation of free will assembly, free assemblies of people coming together and helping one another. You know, homeschooling your kids is kind of hard. But in a congregation where everybody's helping each other out, it's kind of easy. And that's what they're saying is the solution, not voting. You know, I went over the notes a little bit here, and I'll give you the telephone number, and you guys can think about starting to call in. And uh, the telephone number is 414-395-2442. 414-395-2442. And we're going to have some announcements the first part of the second hour. And so everybody should be listening to that. You should be calling up all your friends to listen. And, because uh, all your friends should already be listening. But, uh, so what is the, what are some of the things that we were, we were talking about? Uh, we, uh, mentioned, uh, this idea of a congregant is an adherent of a religion. And, of course, that should be pure religion. And that pure religion means to take care of the widows and orphans and needy without praying to the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. In other words, without the constitutional order or system of government that compels the offering to the people. That is an adherent of religion. And so a real congregant at his holy church is is that kind of person who is actually doing that. Not just talking about a religious philosophy, but actually doing it. Not just giving Christ lip service, but actually doing it. And as I said, a congregant is a votary. And by doing that, by taking care of the needy of your 
congregation and your congregation of congregations through free will offerings, through men who have come to serve, not rule over you, ah, thou you're a votary of Christ. And so I mentioned that this idea of being a votary, a voter, uh, comes from the Latin word vote, which means a vow. Back in the 1500s, that meant to vote, votum, meant to take a vow. And we gave you some of the definitions, uh, because there is a dozen different definitions in the dictionary for this votary, or votarian. But number eight is to enact, establish, or determine by vote. Well, does that vote, is that a democratic vote, or is there another kind of vote that's not democratic? You know, because if you get down to, and it's interesting, it's way down at the bottom to definition number 10, it says to advocate by or as by one's vote. Well, of course, when you vote in the world, you are an advocate of the system of the world. And the system of the world is a system where you elect benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. So if that is what you're advocating by voting, becoming a votary in the world, a votarian in the world, then you're the adversary of Christ because he said not to do that. Okay, definition number 10, to declare or decide by general consent. Now, general consent means that I consent to what? I consent that it's a good idea to force my neighbor to contribute to my welfare? That's still not good. What if you're generally consenting to the idea that I believe that everyone should have the free will choice as to what they will give and keep in their own house because we have returned every man to his family and every man to his possession? Is that what you're consenting to? Because that's not what you're consenting to when you vote in the world. Because the world clearly operates by those men who call themselves benefactors and exercise authority. So if you vote in that world, you don't have a right to complain. Now, number 12, the definition number 12 under this votarian, to encourage or cause a vote, especially in a particular way. What way? The way of Christ, the perfect law of liberty. You want to be free, you have to set your neighbor free, and democracies do not set their neighbor free. It binds everybody to the will of 51%. You are not worshiping the will of God. You are worshiping the will of the majority. The majority crucified Christ. The minority is where you need to be. And you need to be following in the ways of God. If you take that Middle English definition of votum or vote, it still meant a vow. So when you vote, do you vow to follow the gods of the other nations round about you who exercise authority one over the other? Now, how can you go cold turkey on that? I mean, you see the world is out of hand. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Well, we have to start congregating. We have to stop creating this system of plunder. As I read before, uh, Frederick Bestiat's 
When plunder becomes a way of life for a group of men, they create for themselves in the course of time a legal system that authorizes it and a moral code that glorifies it. And your churches wanting to restore America or whatever you want to call it, are they really restoring what has made America great or are they simply restoring a democracy in a republic? where you will exercise authority one over each other by electing rulers who exercise authority one over each other. You see, it's really simple. You just have to do the right thing. Now, most people haven't heard this gospel and they're just merrily going along in their little churches, corporate or otherwise. It really doesn't matter. It's not whether your church is incorporated or not. It's what's in your heart that makes the difference. Now, if your heart is full of Christ and the ways of Christ, why is your church incorporated? (laughs) The incorporation of the church is a symptom of the problem. It's not the problem. If we solve the problem and start actually seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we don't need to be incorporated. But we need to sew the underwear of our ministers because they're naked. Our ministers are servants. We need to create offices of service. And many of you are aware of this, but we'll say it again. Liturgy means public service. And the liturgy of your church should be public service. You should be taking care of one another and being there for one another. And on the the different websites that we have and the different email groups, you know, I put out the blog talk radio recording for last week on dominion and worship. And everybody could go and listen to that. And we'll put the blog talk radio uh, this morning on votaries and congregants out. It was kind of uh, packed in there. But now if you guys have any questions, let's hear you ask those questions. And uh, remember, we'll have some announcements right at the beginning of the next hour. Uh, The number to call is 414-395-2442. Now, how do these congregations work? Uh, We have a number of different institutions that we've written up on pieces of paper. And why do we do this on pieces of paper? Well, it's always good to make a record. As it is written, so shall it be done. You know, that's why they wrote the uh, Georgia Guidestones is, uh, as it is written, so shall it be done. And, of course, what they want to do is reduce the population of the world down to 500 million people. But not just any old 500 million people, 500 million people that are very subservient to their will, 500 million people that are bound on their contract, 500 million people that serve their desires. And who is they? Well, that's another thing altogether. Um, And they have their records. They have their uh, bookkeeping and keep track of things, and uh, and we should have ours. But ours is always the antithesis of theirs, and uh, we need to understand how ours works. Ours is about individual responsibility, and so we've created everything is a trust. Now, let's talk about trust a little bit. Let's see how much time we don't have a lot of time, but we'll just put a little bit in on trust. When you mail a letter, you create a trust. The postman does not own your letter. He does not have a right to the content of the letter, but he has a right to carry the letter and hold it in his possession. 
Now, where are the terms of that trust? Well, they're down there where you put the address, and they're over there where you put the return address. If he can't deliver it to the one, he needs to return it to the first, uh, you know, the one up in the left-hand corner. And that is the trust, and that is somewhat the terms of the trust. But there's a, there's administrative uh, guidelines that he has. You know, where can can he put that letter just anywhere? No, he's supposed to keep it in his pouch, and he's supposed to take it on a certain day, and he's supposed to, you know, rain, sleet, or snow, try to deliver it. And he has all kinds of rules and regulations that he must follow because he is working as a trustee under the overseership of the Postal Service. And they make rules and say, this is what you have to do. And we've done the same thing. Christ created a trust. God created a trust when he said, here's, have dominion, dress it, and keep it. That's a trust. Got terms. You don't follow the terms, you don't get to have dominion anymore. And you'll be under tribute. Somebody else will have your dominion. So you have to dress and keep it. You have to be diligent. You know, when it says study to show thyself approved, that word study is not translated study anywhere else in the Bible. It means diligent. Be diligent to show thyself approved. Diligent what? Diligent in the ways of God. And if you were diligent in the ways of God, you would not be under tribute. Tribute is not the problem. Tribute is the symptom of the problem. The problem is you. You haven't been diligent. You haven't been taking on the trust of the Lord. So we've created these institutions which are legal. We've taken them to Washington or to, you know, attorneys that appear in, in the Supreme Court, and we said, hey, look at this. Is this legal? Is this right? Does this make sense? Is this a way in which the church can operate? And they were blown away. I could tell you all kinds of stories, but I won't tell you here. I will tell you around the campfire at the fall festival. If we can get through this fall festival and make a big deal of it in October um, and have a really great time, and it's really the emphasis on festival, it's the Burning Bush uh, Festival, uh, which you can find out about at His Holy Church, We're gonna, we would like to see a couple thousand people show up. But you better start working on it now. You better start getting together and working on it now. Start getting as many people as you can together to come to this. We got the room. We got the water. We got the meat. And maybe if we get enough gardening done this year, we'll have the vegetables. <laughs> uh, but a, a couple thousand people, that's a lot of vegetables. Uh, but anyway, we've been growing seed, so we, we've got a lot of that. We sent some seed out with some of our missionaries have been traveling across the country and have made it back. We'll get a little report from them, uh, in the first part of the next hour. But a trust, we want to, like the world wants to put everything into one single trust with one single leader. We want to put everything in seven billion trusts where everybody has a little bit of the responsibility and then they have their rights back. But you have to be diligent in those pursuits. So we've created these His Church Trust, which is actually His Church at Longs Peak, His Church at Summer Lake, His Church at Lowe's Hill, and His Church at Cape Cod, and His Church at wherever. And we create those by your testimony to or more people. 
and one minister per trust. And we also have friends of his church. And we'd like to create a bunch of those, but we can't find a lot of men we trust. We've got a call coming in. We got a call coming in, and we got two, three minutes. So let's hear from him, and maybe he'll sit through the. What's the a caller? Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm I can here. Hear me. Uh, I started dialing in a little too soon. I didn't think it'd pick up that fast. So oh, okay, the commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we'll hear from this mysterious caller when we return, because we got less than sixty seconds. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, we have a, a caller. I was wondering if that's what was going on. But everybody else, we'll see you after the break, and we'll talk with this mysterious caller when we return. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Past Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free? Or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. 559-781-3773. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com well, Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, I'm Brother Gregory. <clears throat> and I'm madly trying to answer all my email during the break, and that went really fast. <laughs> so <clears throat> we're back, and uh, we have a caller, and, uh, and we're gonna. Ha- let, I'm gonna give the phone over to him for a little bit, and he's got a report of some meetings coming up, and I'm gonna also ask him to tell us a little bit about his uh, travels and his impressions and his thoughts. And it'll give me a chance to clear my throat a little bit while I mute my phone. 
But anyway, I want you to welcome Scott Hassetter, who is uh, the Minister of Record at uh, Lowe's Hill in Iowa. And if we haven't been disconnected, I'll turn it over to you, Scott. I I am here. Um, thank you, Greg. I'm, I don't know if uh, if you're going to clear your throat, if it's such a good idea to uh, turn this over to me, because as soon as I got home, I developed a cold. So uh, I don't have a good speaking voice as it is, so listening to me with a cold is probably really an annoyance but um yeah we uh, uh we arrived back in glenwood uh Nitam parak is uh here with me in the office uh, listening to the program and um uh, my wife uh, this monday is uh, she's got a ret- uh, recurrent training class in chicago so we're gonna uh, meet on their way back uh it'll be this next thursday evening uh, for those of you in and around the Rockford, uh, Illinois area, uh, next Thursday, February 2nd at uh, about 6 p.m. Uh, in Rockford, I believe there's a Golden Corral that Anthony uh, Shaw, the PCM in Illinois for the Indiana region, uh, he's chosen that as a meeting place. And we're going to have a gathering there, and hopefully all of you uh, in northern Illinois or southern Wisconsin and in Iowa or wherever you want to travel from, if you're going to be anywhere near Rockford, Illinois, next uh, Thursday evening, uh, meet us at the Golden Corral. So, um, what was uh, the time? We'll post, <clears throat> well, 6 p.m. right now is kind of what we discussed last night. But uh, as uh, the uh, 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 what am I trying to think of, Paul? <laughs> as the uh, as the uh, information and the date draws closer. Uh, we'll uh, post that information to the PCM group and to the uh, different regions and spread that out. So we'll, uh, Anthony's going to get uh, put together the address and uh, all that of the Golden Corral, and we'll get all that information posted as we get a little bit closer. So, uh, so that's <coughs> that's kind of what's going on uh, uh, coming up anyway. Um, I did hear Greg mention uh, before the last commercial break that uh, uh, he did send some seeds with uh, Nissan Parak and myself, and uh, they were sweetmeat squash seeds. If anybody has not had sweetmeat squash, it is uh, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it uh, is in the pumpkin family, and I always plant the uh, little uh, uh, small sweet pumpkins for making pies and stuff. Uh, but these rather are large, and they have kind of a greenish-gray flesh, and uh, you really don't need to add any sugar, and they're that sweet. So uh, he sent us with those seeds, and then when we got back to Colorado, uh, Gene in northern Colorado, who's one of the core families the, uh, in that free assembly for his church at Long's Peak, uh, he's also a seed saver, like many of us in the network are. And uh, so we swapped out some of those sweet meat squash seeds with Gene, and he sent us with uh, several varieties of uh, some lettuces and chives and uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other things that were in there. But there were about four or five different varieties that uh, Gene freely offered for us to bring back this way to share with folks uh, in Nebraska and Iowa and wherever we might go. So we'll, uh, as we travel around, it's probably a good idea to take those kind of things with us and uh, be able to trade and, and uh, spread the... Uh, spread those open pollinated heirloom uh, seeds with people so um, that uh, uh, was 
a blessing for Greg to have given us those, so I had something to trade with Gene. <laughs> I know he just would have given it to him, given them uh, to us anyway. Um, and he was heaping all kinds of stuff on us. We've got a 50-pound uh, bag of buckwheat for sprouting that he uh, gave to us, and and all that. So he's very. Uh, he and his wife Carol are very generous, and they opened their house to us as one of the last stops uh, for Nitsan and I as we were heading back towards Iowa. Uh, fed us very well, and and uh, had great conversation the whole time we were there. And Gene, uh, before we left, he gave us a tour of his greenhouse and all of his uh, uh, efforts to uh, create kind of a closed-looped, um, self-sustaining food system. Uh, Gene went, uh, while well, he was back in Pennsylvania visiting family on his way home, he, uh, like you, Paul, went to visit that, that growing power in Milwaukee and uh, took home a lot of good stuff. So he decided to start implementing a lot of that in his in his own farm uh, there in northern Colorado. So uh, very impressive what he's doing, especially when you see the soil quality of northern Colorado for him to grow the things that he's growing. it's uh, uh, He's doing a great job. So, um, does Nitsan have anything he would like to add? He can think about that for a second. Uh, not that I can't I'm a, just take over. <laughs> I should have turned the phone off my ear a little bit. Uh, he's uh, given you an instruction to think about something to say here in a few minutes. So. Um. <laughs> he's kind of shaking his head. <laughs> Yeah, which way is he shaking? Up and down or side to side? He's kind of shaking it side to side, so uh, I'm just going to force him to take the phone here. I'm not exercising authority. I'm just handing off the phone. (laughs) So, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, well, uh, do you guys have any uh, topics that you want us to finish out the show with? Uh, I'm assuming you've been listening to my dissertation on votaries and congregants. Uh, do you think there's any other topics that we or directions we should take that topic uh, that you can add? Or I'm I'm sorry. Uh, Scott said something about thinking uh, of something to say, say, and I was lost at the thinking part. Uh, but uh, could you repeat <laughs> that again? <laughs> well. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the topic today was votaries, voting, and uh, congregants, and the distinction between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of men, who the kingdom of God wants to grant authority to everybody, as their rights to everybody, they want to set their neighbor free, and the kingdoms of the world want to centralize authority and exercise authority and uh, rule over their neighbor. And it's really the difference between Cain and Abel, and uh, and the ways of God and the ways of the adversaries of God. Uh, but anyway, we that's what we've been kind of talking about the first hour, uh, and we, we wanted to mention that meeting. Uh, we also want to mention the uh, the the meeting that you guys just mentioned in. Uh, uh, I forgot where it was again. Why don't you repeat that? <laughs> Rock. Rockford. Okay. I know there's a rock in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, Rockford, Illinois, which is about an hour, hour and a half uh kind of uh west northwest of Chicago, Illinois. Okay. Um, that's um Anthony Shaw, who's a PCM in the uh, HHC Indiana region on the Google group there. 
Uh, he has his uh, wife Juanita and their two girls, and they have a fellowship there. And uh, uh, I've met Anthony several times in the gatherings, the regional gatherings around uh, uh, when the Indiana group uh, tries to get together, uh, Missouri and Illinois and various places. And uh, so uh, uh, we're going to try to, anytime we try to travel around, if we've got any reason to travel around for anything, which uh, for us here in Glenwood isn't too often, but uh, when we do get out and about, when they let us out of our cage, um, we try to see as many people as we can. So uh, with this opportunity to go into Chicago, we'll try to stop in and see them. And Anthony's going to invite as many people as he can, and we'll spread that out on the group, on the different Google groups and uh, see if we can make it a pretty large gathering and take over the Golden Corral in Rockford, Illinois. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I ate at a number of those on the tour, and I guess there's pretty good food at those. Uh, not as good as uh, we could grow ourselves, but uh, as good as you get in in most restaurants. Uh, yeah, the other meeting is uh, that we've got scheduled is way down the road in the fall, uh, which is that... Uh, Burning Bush Festival or the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booze, uh, whatever you want to call it, but it's our fall gathering. And we're going to have one out here and try to make it as big as we can. I'm uh, going any... to interrupt you for just a second because there Good. is a, a gathering before then, but after this one next week. Okay, yeah, uh, right. Let's of, talk about that one. Uh, on the weekend of April 20th uh, and 21st, I believe, uh, if I have it wrong, uh, 20 through 22nd. Thank you, Nitsan. Uh We're gathering again at Lake of the Oaks in Missouri, which is uh, the host family will be uh, PCM Brent Jarvis and his wife Shannon and their children. We uh, gathered there uh, at the time of the fall gathering out in Oregon because a lot of us couldn't quite make it the distance to get to the uh, uh, tabernacles out there. So we uh, uh, gathered in Missouri, uh, so we're doing that again uh, in uh, April, kind of lining up with some of the Passover things. So uh, uh, that's that'll be going on there again. That, all that information will be posted as the time gets a little bit closer uh, for uh, where to camp, which would be there at uh, Lake of the Oaks, or there's campgrounds around the area, uh, and then there's also uh, uh, local hotels or motels for folks that uh, don't like to do the camping thing which and then we just uh, th- uh, they have a wonderful uh, community uh, room uh, with a kitchen and tables and all that and that's kind of where we uh, have the meetings and break bread and all that Paul could speak to that too because Paul Bethke uh, he was at uh, the fall gathering uh, came down from Wisconsin with his son and uh uh, he he has some personal experience of the Lake of the Oaks as well. So, uh, did you have a comment, Paul? No, I pretty much agree with what Scott said. Though it's a great place to gather and wonderful people, and the uh, room they have there is is excellent for setting up meals or conversations. And it was a great time. I look forward. I hope that I can make it to the spring one here. Uh, there's also the possibility of another gathering somewhere in Nebraska. I remember Scott mentioned something about that in talking with the congregation minister at uh, Long's Peak, uh, which I guess is now Jeff. Uh, I haven't got any formal uh, 
uh, evidence to that, but uh, that's the that's the rumors as I've been getting them <laughs> that they have elected Jeff or going to. Uh, do you have any more on that possible gathering? Well, right now that's uh, very preliminary, um, but uh, we had talked about doing that maybe a year or so ago, maybe a gathering somewhere out around uh, western Nebraska, maybe Lake McConaughey or one of those larger recreational areas that uh, uh, is kind of part of that Ogallala Aquifer system, some beautiful country out there if you if you don't mind the natural prairie, uh, which is the way it was kind of intended to be. But, uh, yeah, Jeff had mentioned he thought it was a good idea that, uh, you know, we try to go in all directions, so trying to get something together with uh, uh, something maybe this summer uh, in, out there in western Nebraska. So that... Uh, uh, again, we'll just keep everybody posted as those plans kind of come together. Uh, we'll uh, make sure that information gets spread to the different uh, email groups. Okay. And uh, that's a good reason why anybody who's out there who want to participate in any of these meetings that may be going on in their area, they won't know about it unless they uh, join the network. So, and pick a contact minister who will keep them informed locally of any events that are going on, any opportunities to meet other people in the network. That's one of the great things about the feasts and activities of early Israel is that they had to network together an entire nation of people that were bound by the friendships that they developed at these events. Uh, so anyway... Yeah. Uh, and you won't know about the events unless you make contact. So that responsibility falls on the shoulder of everybody, and we want them to take up that responsibility because when they start taking back their responsibilities, they get back their rights. <laughs> so <laughs> a common theme here at the kingdom. Um, We've got another I caller that joined us, I think, from Tennessee. Okay, we got a caller from Tennessee. Uh, I don't know, can we bring more than one on at a time? You bet. Okay, we got all kinds of power now. So, caller in Tennessee. Hey, this is Doug on Tennessee. How you doing? Okay. Hey, I, I got a question. It's uh, been perplexing us. Uh, I've been meeting with a few folks, talking with them about buying a, a property and splitting it up and having sort of a little community where uh uh we can share resources, work together and and still have separate land but part of the the question that keeps coming up is well how do you handle people that just are used to leaning on everybody else and not pulling their own weight? Well, that's uh, the best way to do that is to, when you talk about buying a piece of property and dividing it up, is that there's individual ownership of that property, that people sink or swim based on their willingness to tread water. Uh, and then uh, you, this is why we have phrases like working out your salvation with fear and trembling, is that uh, everybody is given this breath of life and responsibility of life and they have to start working it out. What happens in the world society is that they give power to somebody to force everybody to contribute and this is a theme that I cover uh, or intend to completely cover extensively in the book uh, Strangers and Pilgrims because 
the early pilgrims had a lot of this religiosity that was moving towards this idea of a common purse already. They didn't have the social welfare systems that we have today, but they did have, uh, since around 1000, they had compulsory taxes to take care of the needy of society. And they came to America with the idea that from each according to his ability, to each according to his need. And that was destroying them. They were starving every winter, uh, both in Jamestown and up there in Plymouth. And almost simultaneously, they decided that don't cut it. Everybody had to, you know, to each according to his uh, his own work. Uh, you got to keep what you made. Uh, you you had to carry your own weight, and then. Only then can you create the bonds that will really hold society together where you help one another with charity. But that charity, and this is this is the second problem. We've got a lot of givers out there who just love to give and give and give, but you must give wisely and help those who are deserving of help so that you strengthen the poor. So, you know, the the community, the small community that works together, is a microcosm of the whole planet, but that's it's also like that little seed that you plant into the ground. And you know, I did it with our sweet meat squash this year. I planted them and the, I planted them really close together. And I thought, well, I was thinking of getting these little squash plants, but they got so big you couldn't even get into the squash <laughs> area of the garden anymore. It was five feet tall and. There were huge squash in there developing, and we would have even got more if we hadn't have planted them so close together. So, But these small beginnings in these communities need to follow those basic principles, and it's a skill, and we've lost that skill. So that's it's a good question, but it's answered in the day-to-day practice of all these things we write about and talk about, and hopefully we'll give demonstration of uh, did you have a particular way in which you were talking about organizing this group, or do you have people that, that are already talking about this now? Yeah, we're we're looking at buying a piece of land, and and uh, there's there's three of us that uh, are actively looking at it, and and maybe more, maybe uh, the other two have others that are interested in joining us. But uh, you know, looking for fifty to a hundred acres and. And uh something with uh natural water on it without you know, without without power lines, without any any sort of dependence on the rest of the world. So that we can run yeah, our own the, power, uh, we can run our own water. Right. One of the uh the the land's not held in common. You will divide that up and everybody will own each family will own their own land. Well, yeah, that's 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 the tricky part. How do you how do you not register county, yet still have ownership. How, how you know can be registered someplace else, so that that uh, we you know we have private ownership of our lands, you know, uh, but it not be titled to the county and therefore uh, get involved in, get in their that property off the tax rolls. Well. Get it off the tax, you know, or get it outside of their uh, realm of out of their jurisdiction completely, so that you know the sheriff can't come on there. That you know you can't have property taxes. You can't have you know all sorts of rule and order garbage like 
like uh, Agenda 21 activities, applying to the property, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, the, you know, the there's a we've come a long ways away from what Israel was, the kingdom of God on earth, where everybody had the right to the beneficial interest of their property, and there is no simple, you know, easy one-size-fits-all solution to roll that back uh, simply by a handful of people. Uh, the the truth is I don't believe anybody can actually own property in Fee Simple anymore. Uh, generally speaking, there may be a few exceptions to that uh, unless they uh, are a church, and the church owns all things in common. So... Uh, Really, what's happened is, you know, I mean, it's probably going to take more than the rest of the show to explain the the property issue. Um, but Social Security is a religious society. It is how people take care of their widows and orphans. When you uh, become a part of that religious society, you do two things. You become responsible for a Social Security tax and you also become subject to an income tax on your wages and salaries, much like the bondage of Egypt, so that 20% or 10% or 15 or 30 or whatever they say, because it's a, it's a progressive uh, or what they call graduated income tax, you become subject to that on wages and salaries. So you don't have the capacity to own land anymore because you can't buy it with substance. You can only buy legal title. Anybody you go to only has legal title to the land, and that's all they can sell you because that's all they have. So you want to reconvert that property back to its original title where you have both the beneficial interest and the legal title, and that just uh, can't be done by any single document. Uh, it has to be done by a whole progressing of things. Now, I believe the church can do that. It can get property off the tax rolls, but it still doesn't have total right until it's actually doing what Christ said. And then there'll probably be a confrontation on that subject eventually, uh, but by then all heck will be breaking loose in the world when that takes place. At least that's always been the way it's happened in the past <clears throat> but uh, the important thing the real land you want to get out of the system and into the system of God is that walking breathing land it's all those other people and so I think you need to form that community and you probably aren't going to have that land off the tax rolls right off uh, you, but you, if you develop that community and create the bonds necessary that's what they were doing for 40 years in the wilderness. They were learning how to create those bonds necessary for a free society so that it can function as a unit without being incorporated. And it took them 40 years to do that. And then they were able to march into Canaan. And they didn't take it by conquest. They literally bought the country one by one, plot by plot, and uh, then eventually they contested that, and they had to fight, but uh, that isn't necessarily the scenario now. Uh, there was other things going on at that time, which I don't have time to go into, but the reality is that's what we need to do is create those real bonds, and people may have to pay their tally of bricks during the period of time that they do that. So now I, 
if people wanted to form a religious order, uh, they can own all things in common, and they can have legal title within the order, but the people can't sell the property outside of the order. But in order to do that, in order for me to take time to show people how that works, i got to see that people are really doing what Christ said. Because <laughs> I don't charge for right. that trouble but i can't just hand all that out because it takes it'll take months of explaining and helping people uh i'd love to be doing yeah, that i've seen that abused in the past for those too. ministers go ahead I, I said i've seen that abused in the past where you've got one guy or one woman that's like head of the uh land and everybody lives on there in common but you know yes things just aren't and, uh, done wisely because that one is not rebukable Right, and see, that's the that's that's the trick is uh, to find somebody who's willing not to be a ruler, but uh, you know, in order for that individual to turn over everything, this is what the apostles were doing. This is why there was only twelve of them. Uh, they were willing to take. You know, uh, Peter evidently was fairly well off. You know, he had evidently more than one boat. Uh, and he had a house that could hold a lot of people. This is probably a fairly successful fisherman. Uh, there's evidence that many of the other apostles were not, uh, the impoverished class, that they actually had some, um, substance to their name. And it's clearly Christ, it says, though he was rich, he made himself poor. They took everything they had and they laid it out for this endeavor. They whatever inheritance they had, they put it into one purse, which is a dangerous thing. How do you do that? How how did men like uh, 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 Barnabas, who sold the property he had and laid the money at the foot of the apostles, because he realized they were not going to exercise authority, they were not going to rule. And most of these little groups you see, there's somebody who's going to be ruling over everybody. Uh, what we're looking for is people who can, who really come to serve and not to rule over. Don't want to exercise authority. Want to constantly take whatever they have power over and give it to somebody else to have power over. But also give it wisely uh, so that it strengthens those individuals to make choices, etc. And uh, I actually want to encourage uh, uh, Scott, I think we need to have a meeting of all the ministers of record and trustees of record uh, uh, phone call conference. So we, we should start uh, trying to get that together before the conference that we're going to have next week uh, on Saturday. Um, uh, so if anybody can start working on that, putting together a list of people to have on that, because I think we need to talk about a couple of things that have just come up since the show began. Uh, but anyway... Uh, I don't know. Do you want to pursue this topic a little bit farther? Uh, I forgot. You didn't give your name when you first. Oh, you did, Doug. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm not sure what questions to ask and if this is the right uh, venue for it. But uh, I, I would be interested in finding out how how that would work in a uh, uh, where the church owns everything and and yet. The church is not registered with the state or the county or gives any jurisdiction to them. 
Well, the the property first the thing is that we established that the property is for church use, and then the, we will try to, if we actually believe that that's what it's being used for, we would try to remove it from the tax rolls. Uh, again, that doesn't establish the beneficial interest. It just removes it from the tax rolls, and then you have to take it to the next step. And there's several steps, and we won't share those all on the radio, uh, the best way to find out more details is to become active in the work and get elected as a contact minister, uh, form a ministry of record. Uh, because we don't charge $50 an hour for people to call, and I'm still getting calls from people who are not forming ministries of record. <laughs> but uh, we have to divide our time with them first. Anyway, we're going to another break, and we'll talk more about some of the keys to the kingdom when we return. I pledge allegiance to the King of Kings and to his kingdom calm on earth as it is in heaven. One holy nation under the heavenly Father with grace, mercy, and justice for all. The Greatest Prophecy DVD from Across the Border Productions embrace the little known, the greatest prophecy given by the great high priest, the once secret plan for mankind at the first sacrificial event. Believe it. Behold the end times in Daniel chapter 2 because the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof sure. It is the key to prophecy future. Comprehend the seven-year great tribulation deception. Be not deceived. Understand the great prophecy delusion because if it were possible they shall deceive the very elect be forewarned america in prophecy exposed for all to see you must see it the mark of the beast no it's not a biochip implant a much better and more secure technology is already here and you are already using it we will bonus you with a free copy of richard bennett's groundbreaking work the Inquisition when you send a support donation of $20 to First Amendment Radio. Visit the shopping page at our website or send $20 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Send your support donation of $20 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, Avenue, Tulare, California, or $30 U.S. for international priority mail outside the USA. A wise man is forewarned and prepares for the times to come. Will you be ready? The Greatest Prophecy, DVD. Now listen to me. 
The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Uh, there's a couple other announcements. Uh, you know, we mentioned that Longspeak has a new minister. Uh, I believe uh, it's not totally official yet, but I believe that it's uh, Jeff, uh, who uh, is of Jeff NCC, and uh, they uh, uh, the new Greg, minister. Greg, is that correct or not? Well, yeah. uh, I just got an email from Jeff NCC, and I okay. want to make sure that nobody is misunderstanding this. Um, because uh, one of them, I don't know who typed the message, but they said, I was just listening to the radio, and shocked that Greg was under the impression that Longspeak had elected an MOR. So I, okay, I, they haven't. I just, they have not elected an MOR yet, but it, you know what uh, What I was trying to get across was it's probably, there's really, uh, you know, three families that are, um, you know, stepping way out in front there of, of trying to take the reins there, uh, Jeff and Cece being one family, Steve Simmons, and then Gene and Carol, and right. Gene has made has made it uh, clear that you know he d- doesn't uh, have any desire to serve as trustee and uh, minister, so it's probably you know I would I, uh, probably Jeff or Steve, but nothing's been decided yet. That they okay, it hasn't been decided. Still work I, on and, I wasn't and it, work out, but I figured it would be Jeff clear. or Steve. Yeah, I right. figured it'd be but, Jeff or Steve, and, and it wasn't official yet. But I was get, like that's why I was saying it was rumors. Right, right. So I just want to make that clear uh, so that uh, I don't want to – I'm trying to put a fire out here, I think, in the email a little bit because either Jeff or C said, I was shocked. (laughs) So I just want to calm that down. No, 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 no. It's not that it's a done deal. It's that, you know, more than likely one of those two gentlemen will – Yeah, it hasn't happened until it happens. One one thing that hasn't – Right, okay. Um, And – so anyway, I'd, I'd love to see them work that out because uh, we got all these other things going on. We do have uh, a new minister at James River in uh, the Dakotas, and we have a minister, Justin, uh, in um, uh, Sacramento, California, and uh, I just added him to the group last night. I don't know if he's checked his email yet this morning. I know most of his work is early in the morning. Is that Justin uh, or Justice? Well, that's uh, his name is actually Justin. Okay. Uh, but a lot of people are calling him Justice. Uh, but his official, uh, on the website, it officially says Justin, and I'm not going to pronounce his last name because everybody knows how bad I am at names, but it's on there. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, uh, uh so officially his name is Justin, but he is often called Justice. Um, 
but we've had another justice uh, who I actually heard from just last night. Uh, uh, so I don't don't want to start confusing too many people with the same name. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, so we do have some new ministers, and we'll be getting to know them during the next week. And we do have some meetings coming up. And I think we should have a phone meeting uh, of all the ministers of record if we can arrange that and include some of the PCMs if they so desire. And uh, because I think we have some things that I see popping up. On the issue of, I don't know if we've answered all of Doug's questions. I don't know if Doug's still there. Are you still there, Doug? I'm still here. Yeah, What? what the, the biggest point is not so much removing it from the tax rolls because... Uh, we do plan on buying fairly raw land, which taxes are pretty cheap on anyway. Right. It's, it's to get them complete, get get the land out, completely outside their jurisdiction. So, you know, the cop, the police can't come on there. The cops can't come on there. Property inspectors can't come on there. You don't have to pull permits. They can't tell you what to do with your well or your stream or your uh, rainwater. You know, runoff, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, now that's, that's a lot to ask because, uh, you know, like streams, especially if the water, uh, flows through the property, it starts somewhere else and then flows out somewhere else. Uh, there may be property rights on that and the government is, uh, that's out there, the big government that's out there is usually the one that handles that sort of thing to make sure that property rights are not violated because you don't own all of a stream. Um, same thing are you doing they make sure that everybody's property rights rights are violated equally uh well again <laughs> property rights the everybody you're going to be buying property from probably only has legal title and legal title does not include the beneficial interest uh we're not in the wilderness anymore and so, therefore, when you buy land, you're only buying legal title, and that doesn't include the right to use the property. That right is regulated by those holding in trust the beneficial interest, which in most cases is the states. And the states are merely corporations today of the federal government. And the federal government is answerable to treaties uh, worldwide. So... The idea that you can just buy land and then, uh, you know, fill out a, a fancy deed and then suddenly, you know, do some jumping around, you know, like registering the deed or holding the deed or, or, uh, accepting the deed and all these kinds of, uh, strategies that are out there. And then all that beneficial interest just suddenly reverts to you. It's just, it's, it's a, it's just a daydream that a lot of guys have. It's not going to happen like that overnight. Now, I do believe that everybody will get their dominion back and their rights to property back, but it's after a chain of events, and those events are not uh, regulated by one or two or three or four or even a hundred individuals. It's going to be a historical event. The problem is when everybody gets their property rights back, uh, they're not going to survive that liberty in, in the most part. And it's because they haven't been diligent in seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So, you know, the, it's a longer process than most people. They want to find some, you know, quick fix, McDonald deal, this, uh, you know, uh, fill out the papers a certain way and we suddenly get it and then we don't have to mess with them and they can't come on our property. It's kind of like a, 
you know, I can get you down on the shores of the Red Sea, but uh, don't think that uh, <clears throat> don't think that the Pharaoh's not going to come down on you with all of his chariots, and you're going to need more than paperwork uh, to stand between you and the Pharaoh. And so, you know, we have to look at this realistically. Um, speaking of paperwork, that was one of the things I wanted to uh, talk about here because I've, I've been reading emails during the uh, breaks uh, so that I'm not doing it at midnight again or 1 o'clock or whatever it was, this one thirty, I think it was when I went to bed this morning. Um, the uh, keeping of records was very very, very much a part of the early church from day one. And people who think that it wasn't because they don't see those records in the Bible are under a strong delusion. Uh, keeping records way back when Israel came into uh, the Canaan was very much a part. The early church, because of their records, was having property restored to them even before Constantine. And that was because they kept good records and because they marked the corners of their fields. And so, again, back to Doug's uh, question about uh, property and you know, trying to get it so that they don't have jurisdiction on it. Uh, first, we have to establish that you have people that they don't have jurisdiction over. And the only people I know that can come out of the system today under the present conditions is either a few very rich men who pay off uh, the powers that be, and there's actually statutory provisions for that, and extremely poor men who have absolutely nothing, <laughs> and uh, and they're usually stomped on uh, on a regular basis, and the other class, which are those who are actually, uh, though they were rich, made themselves poor to do what Christ did. And this is why the ministers of the church need to actually be doing what that first century church was doing so that more people will survive the coming freedom. And why I put it in that particular uh, phrase is, you know, I say this over and over again. I'm always amazed at the number of people who don't actually listen to what I'm saying. Everybody's going to be free in the future, but everybody's not going to survive freedom. Uh, we see political parties in the world today, guys like Ron Paul talking about opting out of uh, the Social Security system. I'm sure they'll offer us a way to opt out of that Social Security system, but not opt out of bondage. Um, but uh, eventually we will be offered the opportunity of opting out of the bondage. But you you will need some sort of way, a more righteous habitation to survive that. And it will probably be under some of the most uh, plague type of difficult situations. Uh, exactly how it's going to all play out, I, I'm not going to say, but I'm going to tell you it's going to be rough. So really what we need to do is create a network of not two or three people in a local community. That's a place to start. But a network of thousands of people all across the country that are learning the skills of a free society and have the heart and will to make that a reality because you're going to need all those people. And if we can get to that point, uh, then we we will be able to get to the next phase, which is to actually be that free society that God wants us to be. But it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, 
and meanwhile, uh, there's a lot of little skills, a lot of little tricks, a lot of little things that we're learning, and uh, that's the iron sharpening iron, and we'll share those in gatherings and uh, better equip everybody to uh, to make that move. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Uh, I, I, and, and you're right, Doug. I can't answer all those questions on this open forum. <laughs> but that's why I, said, I was saying just before the break that one of the best things to do is to start forming those congregations of record and, uh, picking PCMs so that you are communicating with all the other people that have been working on this, these issues for, uh, uh, for some of them for decades. Uh, and it's going to be around campfires that we get the, and in uh, our own personal struggle that we'll get the best revelations uh, on this particular topic. But uh, anyway, uh, shall we go on to something else, or do we have more? Any other questions? With uh, I think there's two or three people on this phone four, I guess all together, or five, counting me. So, do we have any other questions? Anything going on in the chat room? <laughs> Not for a while, no. They've been. They had a good discussion on um, on amongst themselves. Uh huh. But uh, I don't think any questions that are coming out to us right now. Okay. And if there are, retype it because I've missed it. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, the. Uh, I noticed that uh, Caleb in Texas, uh, someone just joined the Texas group that's not very far away from him, and he's he's trying to connect up with them. I know Caleb. Uh, I've been to Tyler, uh, Texas. I don't know if one of our meetings was actually in Tyler. It wasn't far from Tyler. Uh, but I noticed a problem last night, uh, and and I know Paul was aware of this to some degree, although he wasn't on those groups that I went in there and found out that one of the PCMs had a different email than they were registered with, and they were not getting the emails from the group, so they were not knowing that people were waiting in the wings. We had at least four people trying to uh, join that group, and nobody was letting them on. Uh, one of the problems with that is one of our contact ministers there, uh, Mark, was never on as manager, so he wasn't getting the notifications when people were trying to get on. And the other one was Elisheba, and I don't, I think she came on much later, and so therefore she may not have seen some of these people trying to get on. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's, that's why we need lots of contact ministers who are watching this, because here four people were waiting in the wings and nobody was letting them on the group. Uh, uh, and now as soon as they are, we've, we're connecting people up again. Uh, uh, we want to get all these things ironed out before we start going really public and get on larger stations that will start bringing more and more people to the network. Uh, but that's why it's so important that people really want to know what's going on because the contact ministers and ministers of record, huge amounts of information is being shared with them. Uh, but if you don't have one, you're missing out. If you're not willing to reach out and connect with others and come into that connection with the desire to serve others, not only your immediate neighbors but your neighbors in other congregations, you're going to be missing out because that's the way this is constructed and that's the way because that's the way the first century church was constructed. So if if you don't reach out to be there for others, don't expect anybody else to be there for you. 
uh, that is that will be so essential in the days ahead and that we need to all be doing that. So anyway, uh, I wanted to uh, ask you, uh, it came up in the chat room that his church at New Earth Farm is now up and running. Is that something uh, you're aware of? Uh, his church at where? New Earth Farm. It's in Texas. Okay. Rio Grande. Who's that from? Brother Thomas. Okay. Let's see. Thomas in Texas. Uh, I wonder if... Uh, did I meet him on the tour? Is he still there in the chat room? Yeah, he's he still is. there. He'll, he'll say... I think I've talked uh, to him on the phone, too. Right. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of people. I, I know a couple <laughs> of Thomases. There's, uh, there seems to be lots of Thomases out there. <laughs> so, but... Uh, I can remember one guy, and I'm I'm thinking his name was Thomas that I met. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm unaware of any records of that. Uh, are they sending records in to us, uh, or is this? That, so that's that's about all I know on it. I just wanted to mention. Yeah, well, well I, I'm, so I assume the chat room people are still listening, so he can send. Does he mean that there are uh, minister of record forms filled out and on their way here? <laughs> we can hope so. No, we can hope so. I know that uh, Debbie was uh, uh, was uh, was trying to put together a congregation of records there uh, east of Dallas. Uh, I won't mention exactly where, but that gives people in the Texas area a chance to think about this. Uh, but I haven't ever seen records coming up, and it's really important this records thing. And you know, those who studied the fragments of records for the period of the early church know that there were huge amounts of records being kept uh, as well as you know not only records of who was who and and who was connected where but also records of births and deaths and marriages which is a key thing for this uh, uh, you know inheritance and all that kind of uh, part of uh, society but also you know day-to-day expenses and uh, you just don't read about it in the history books but those you know, I've spent a lot of time looking at fragments, uh, not nearly as much as to even make a dent in the amount of fragments that they have out there, but even some of the Dead Sea Scrolls were keeping track of some of these expenditures. Um, and those were clearly records that were, uh, they went to a great deal of effort to save, so they saved the best. They didn't save all the scratch paper and <laughs> bookkeeping stuff. But down through the ages, that has been a major part and was a major part of even Israel uh, to keep uh, records of these day-to-day events and who is connected where. Because people die, people forget. And uh, that's why we write these things down. And it's been very important. So, yeah, there's been a little discussion I see on... Do we really need all these records? And the fact is, is the way we set this up, and I, and we do this not just out of our own will, but what we see happening, those ministers of records who do not keep detailed records, especially of their finances, uh, will not be recognized as ministers of record. Uh, we won't, we won't affect their ministry. But we will not provide for them the opportunity of holding property in the name of the church because it is absolutely essential. It is a sacred duty to keep those records. That is sowing the underwear of the Levites. 
the linen breeches. We should do all our records on linen <laughs> paper <laughs> because that is the covering. Uh, and uh, like I said, I can bring up and show you cases long before Constantine where the church was getting property restored to it. You don't think that the Roman courts were restoring that just because somebody said that they were an ambassador to the kingdom. They were able to prove it in a court of law with records that, yes, this was granted here, this was granted there, this, we are the ministers of that, and emperors were returning that property to the church that held all things in common, even before Constantine. And uh, the handwriting was on the wall. These were the guys that people were looking to more and more. And uh, uh, they wouldn't be. And this is this is where we got to go. And I, I we're not we don't have enough time in this show uh, to give you a picture of that. But that's why we write whole books on the subject, <laughs> so that people can read those books and start getting a view of what that early church was actually doing, because. That's what we're going to need to do. For a thousand years uh, in Europe, there were, actually in 176 A.D., according to historians, there were as many people living in Europe as there was in 1776 A.D. The difference was is that most of them were not under the authority of a king. They were actually kings in their own homes, in their own castles, uh, which were their own homes because there wasn't a lot of castles back then. And they formed viable republic in the heart of the Roman Empire and all throughout uh, Europe, and they did it with these tens, hundreds, and thousands. And for almost a thousand years, they lived as free people, and that was the kingdom of God. What they were doing has been expunged from your history books. How they operated as a society has been deleted from your collective memories. And you need to go back and not only learn what they were doing, which is why we wrote the books like Thy Kingdom Come, but you also have to do it because that's the only way you're going to know it and develop the relationships that are going to be so necessary for a free society. And that's why we mention these meetings. Again, I want to mention for those who may have come on late that uh, Jesus, uh, uh, Stuart, uh, of Jesus uh, in Hutchinson, Kansas, has passed away last night, and his widow survives him. I know a lot of you people know who he is, and uh, uh, if there's anything you can do, I thought you might need to know it. And that's a record. By mentioning this on the, the radio, we've made a record of that. And uh, if you're going to be talking about owning property someday, so who gets the house that... Uh, uh, John uh, and Mary lived in. Well, I'm sure they've made arrangements that it belongs to Mary now. Uh, I'm not sure how they held the property. Although I was there when they got the property, I can't remember <laughs> how we did it. They actually had me helping them write up the deed at the time. And uh, it's right there in Hutchinson. And uh, they're very, very good people. And it's a great loss to lose John. But life goes on. And uh, this is what we need to start doing, is being the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. That's not uh, We're not cats uh, running across the desert being all independent. We are a, a congregation of free souls 
who come together not because we are bound by corporate law, but we are bound by love. We will do all the things that government does because we are the government of God, but we do it by free choice. And there's a number of people that still want to just run off like the cats and not keep records and be their own individual and have their own little congregation or their own little group, and that's not kingdom thinking. Kingdom In the kingdom, you not only care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself, but you care about your neighboring congregation and your neighboring congregation of congregations. And that means records, because you can't remember all those people. And it also means having these festivals and these meetings and these gatherings and ministers traveling around in groups of two, uh, meeting with people and setting the record straight and uh, helping people gather together so that they can be there for each other because the governments you have created for yourself, they're not going to hear you in your day of need. They're about power. They are about control. They are not about service. You need to create that government by coming together that cares about one another as much as you care about yourself. And if you can do that, you have a chance to have free dominion. And until you do that, you can pretty much count on the fact that you're not going to have free dominion. <laughs> so until we meet next year or on Freedomizer this afternoon, <laughs> may peace be upon your house and may God be with you. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, everybody, for listening. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.